0: We're starting a new installment of Grace Stories. Uh, It's one of my favorite parts of the year for us. Two times we celebrate the lives of the people that are amidst us who are bold, courageous to come up and share uh, a snapshot of their lives and how the Lord Jesus Christ, with His grace, has redeemed them. And... uh, it's never perfect, right? We always expect that, but it's never perfect for any of us. But the grace of Jesus Christ is shed abroad, and we hear that story. And today, Peter Chin will be sharing his grace story with us as we listen in. Um, so as you listen, you know, the, the, these are stories that that have, they, they ring a bell with us, right? They, we, we hear ourselves sometimes as people share their stories, our own struggles, our own challenges that we face every day, uh, we kind of hear. Jesus told his disciples, you will wait, you will receive power from, on, from heaven, from the Father, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And this is an opportunity to witness for the grace and the spirits working in our community's lives. So Peter... Come on up, and I'll bring the mic back. Thank you.
1: Good morning, GRC. My name is Peter Y. Chin, and the last 11 years of my life has been a painful journey because of the decisions I have made, yet I have seen the grace of God come through. It all started when my family decided to move to Fort Lee, New Jersey from San Diego, California. Everything changed in our life, from losing beautiful everyday sunshine to shoveling snow every year, but one thing stayed consistent, that was church attendance. I've grown up in a Christian home my whole life, but never came to have a living and loving relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Shortly after our move, however, financial difficulties arose, and my father was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. The situation got worse throughout the years, and instead of wanting to help, I chose to be an immature kid. I caused my family so much heartache and headaches, too, because of my pride, selfishness, and rebellion towards them. I believe this disobedience was the biggest stumbling block in my life so far, out of which all my problems stem from. What I mean by that is not submitting to their authority, not honoring them, not loving them, and not respecting them, even when they wanted the best for me. What I wanted was my authority to be over theirs, and I deceived myself to believe that because it was my life, I could live however I pleased. I saw their wisdom, advice, and truth towards me as their way of controlling my life. I remember one time I got into a big argument with my mother, and everybody knew I was wrong, including myself. But I couldn't stand it. I insisted that I was right because I wanted to see her be wrong. I chose not to speak to her for two whole months while living in the same house. This pattern of behavior of mine went on for the next ten years. Even though my family continued to pray for me to change throughout the years, I never did. My father once told me, You have forsaken God in your heart. The truth hit me like a slap in the face, but I chose to ignore my father's words. I became more hardened in my heart. I hated God and loved my sin. I was also addicted to video games since I was six years old. It brought me great satisfaction escaping into a virtual reality where I didn't have to deal with real-life problems. Like all addictions, it only grew worse over time. Eventually, I became so obsessed I wouldn't ever leave my room unless it was for food or the bathroom. My sister often jokes about it now saying, Peter, you know you didn't see sunlight for a whole year. Or Peter, I thought you'd never leave that corner of the house. 2011 was the year I finally had an opportunity to live my life how I pleased without anyone telling me what to do or so I thought. I was in college and I was very passionate and overly self-confident, trying to accomplish as much as I could. But I quickly realized by the end of the first semester that I had no interest in what I wanted to do. In my mind, I wasn't ready to be a responsible and independent human being. My passion turned to anxiety and my anxiety into fear over the course of one year. Questions began to pop up in my mind. What was I even trying to accomplish here? Or was college really the answer to my problems? I dread the thought of another year there and decided college wasn't for me. I stopped attending altogether, even though my mother urged me to go back. I knew I was blowing a golden opportunity in front of me. I wasn't even being selfish anymore, but foolish. Unable to make rational choices anymore, I continued in my sin and did not change my ways. I met this girl online in 2012, and I thought this was one more great opportunity to make my own choices. We decided to meet in real life. And turns out we connected very well. Disobedient to my parents, addicted to video games, and dropped out of college. Now I thought I was ready to live with this girl. We started dating and meeting for the next three years. And I decided to move to Michigan to live with her in 2015. By this time, however, my family was really suffering financially. But as usual, I had little concern for them. I was having the time of my life. You might be thinking... How on earth can anyone be so selfish, so uncaring, and so evil? But that's exactly who I was. My relationship with my girlfriend ended six months later due to my selfishness. 2016 was the year the Lord answered my family's prayers. At this point, I was depressed from all my failures I took to smoking to escape reality. My whole life, I was on the run, escaping reality through video games, to college, to Michigan, and now through drugs. I knew I was going to hell and well deserving of it. I was at my friend's house and alone in his room. I fell to my knees and cried out to God. I begged God to have mercy on me. I had prayed before as a kid, but never like this. It was five years since I had any contact with the church or even prayed. But here I was asking God Almighty as if he would listen to me in my sin and rebellion. My friend walked in on me while I was praying that night. He asked in an awkward voice, Are you praying? I was too embarrassed to say anything because I was confused myself as to what I was doing. I don't believe it was just that prayer that saved me that night. I believe God led me to Christ patiently, even allowing all those decisions of mine to find happiness and contentment. As a dear brother said to me, We don't choose Jesus, but we react to God calling us to Christ. My family began to see changes in my character immediately that year. They told me, It's God. He has done this. I began to read the Bible for the first time in my life. I've gained a determination to work for my father in his business. I've sought to mend the broken relationships between all my family members. But I would be lying if I said it has been perfect. I've still fought with my family members in my anger and pride this past year. And many times I've wondered if God had really changed me. There's one difference, however, and it is that God brings me to repentance, shows me my wretchedness. I run to my Savior every time, knowing that I desperately need his forgiveness and grace. If God had not been with me every step of the way, I would surely have wandered back to my sinful ways. But this only testifies to the wondrous grace and love of God toward me and anyone in Jesus Christ. I asked my father one year ago, Dad, I want to know who this Jesus is. And so my spiritual journey began when he pointed me to Jesus, starting in the book of Matthew, Jesus has done more wonders in my life in one year than I've tried to do for myself in the past 11 years or had I been given an eternity of years. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Thank you for listening.
0: pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that your heart is like that. As we read in your word, like that of a shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes behind the one. When you find that one, put it on your shoulder and bring it back to the fold. When one sinner is converted, there is joy in heaven, we read in your word, and so we rejoice for what you're doing in Peter's life, Lord. and pray that you will sustain him, grow him, mature him. And as we listen to your word this morning, open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to the reality of your lordship in our lives. Thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. (laughs) Got the loudest amen from the youngest. That's good. That's good. Praise God. it's, uh I've got to know Peter uh, this last year, and uh, it's been a wonderful journey for us in our friendship. We were, we were pulling rose bushes out in the new building, and as I arrived late, as I normally do, he was pulling the rose bush out and said, should I help you? And then we were pulling the rose bushes out, and from that time, our friendship has developed uh, over this year, and it's been wonderful to get to know him and get to hear what the Lord has done for His life and what the Lord will continue to do in His life and all of our lives. Uh, So this morning, uh, I have a small passage uh, of Scripture that we will focus on as we weave and understand how God saves, uh, and the principal question that we have before us this morning is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. We're going to read that, and we're going to meditate a little bit on that as as we move forward. So let me read it for you. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. I was telling the first service that something to do with Peter and I. So it was Peter Wang who, you know, our pastor was sharing his great story and I was able to give a devotional and Peter Chin. And then now we have Peter, uh, the passage on Peter, something to do with Peter and Donald. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, this passage, um, briefly going through it, they are the The context Jesus is in is he's coming out of feeding the four thousand, and then he's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they are uh, like uh the the you know it says in sixteen uh, aware of the discussion Jesus asked you of little faith why are you talking amongst yourself about having no bread? He was talking of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and and the disciples thought it was about bread. Jesus had just fed 4,000 people. So Jesus moves on from that conversation. He asks a question to his disciples. He said, what do you, who do people say I am? It's kind of a survey question, right? Just general survey. And the disciples say, you are, you know, John the Baptist, who's come back from the dead. He had just died. And then you're Elijah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah because you're always sad and you're crying maybe, you know, in your prayer, and some say you're one of the prophets. Jesus, moving from popular opinion and survey, he asked the question, pointing at their chest, a very personal question, but who do you say I am? That's the answer that Peter gave this morning to us. He said, I have grown up in a Christian home my whole life, but never came to have a living and loving relationship with Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Everybody wants Savior. Few want Him Lord right? We sang today, Lord of what? Some things? Most things? What did we sing today? We sang Lord of all. That's a different category. Peter said, I I hated God and loved my sin. So how do we answer this question this morning and let's take a you know few moments to really focus on that question and how would that how can we answer that question and put that question to the test in terms of reality are we we can answer the question intellectually jesus is the son of man he came to earth he died you know he he, he died and he rose again and now he's in heaven at the right hand of the, that's what we say every week right Christian, what do you believe? We can say it intellectually, but James says, what does James say? James says, you believe in God to be one? Let me tell you, even the demons do. Not only do they know and believe, but they also shudder. That's intellectual. Some of us sometimes have spiritual jargons that we've grown up with over the years, we've been in Christian setup. We know what it is. We know David and Goliath's story or Samson's story. We've grown up with spiritual jargon. That's not good enough. That's not good enough to answer that question, who do you say I am? It comes out in the life that we live and the way that we live. The way that we live our lives on the outside and the way that we live our lives on the inside. That truly is the answer. And by the way, let me tell you, there's going to be always that misalignment. Because who we are on the outside sometimes is not really who we are on the inside. God is interested to hear the answer this morning as we heard Peter answer the question of him having a loving and living relationship with our Savior. We escape. Like Peter said, we, he was escaping. Video games was one area that he wanted to escape in. College, he thought, would give him the escape route. He thought uh, the girl would give him an escape route. Smoking and drugs would give him an escape route. We are also escape artists. In some sense. Our own, we have our own escape routes <laughs> to get away from the reality of who Christ is to us. How do we answer that question? How do we put that question to the test in our lives? There are three things that, you know, we can ask ourselves this morning. If you don't mind, move to the next couple of slides. Um, Corey, thank you. You know, we, we have two schools of thought. We actually have more schools of thought, but the two extremes are, one is grace, 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 liberty, liberty, liberty. Do what you want, bro. You can come back and then repent. On the other side is do, 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 do. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do this. You have to give this. You have to give that. That extreme of doing. Right in between is Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. We heard the grace story We also need the truth story. We need to have grace and truth. And the truth of the matter is, if we do not love the word, the question we need to ask ourselves is, who is Jesus? Do we really love him? Because Jesus said, if we love him, we will obey him. He said, if you love me, you will obey me. But where do we go to learn about him? It's the word. He's here. Do we love him? Question that we need to ask ourselves. Who is he? Is he Lord? Does our lives reflect his lordship? Our love for him. Our love for his word. Our love for his life to be. Superimposed on our lives to drive away our lives away and that he might reign. Paul said, For me to live is Christ. Second one is choice. The first one, as you as we read the scripture, says, Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah, blessed, you're happy, you're joyful. It did not come from just your intellectual analysis or your words. It came directly from the Father. It was a revelation from God. And Jesus said, based on your witness, I am going to build my church. You are Peter. And on this rock, this rock is not Peter. On this rock is Jesus telling about him being the rock. On on me, I will build the church based on your witness blessedness, the choice Jesus has chosen us. The question is, are we choosing him daily? Jesus said, further down, if you read, you will see in that same 16th chapter, he says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That is a daily process. That's the process of sanctification. Sanctification. We make a choice for Christ. I, we know we cannot make it on our own, with our own strength. We make it with God's strength. We make it because the Spirit is in us. And we choose to deny ourselves so that we can pick up our cross and follow Him. The third point is really desire. You see Peter say, I, now des- I love the Word of God. You I mean, see, you know, we, we participate in you know so many uh, uh, meetings together. We see his desire. It's not perfect. We ne- we will never be perfect in this world till we are united with Christ. But our desires should be pointing towards Christ. Our desires should be more for Him. Jesus said, "Unless you eat my body, <laughs> it's like cannibalism." People thought. Unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will have no life. And then we wonder, why am I not a witness? Why are people not asking me about my faith? Who is Jesus to you this morning? You just relegated him to just be your savior. That's good enough. You got the ticket to heaven. You don't want to make the journey with him. I want to be careful that I'm not preaching legalism here. Right? It's not rules. It's really not. It's the desire. It's the love. Because when you love somebody, when you love something so much, you want to do the best. You want to give your best. You want to give your all. You're not mediocre in your approach. You want to give your best. If you say, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, if you say He's truly our Lord, He's truly our Savior, why would we hold back? Why would we take half measures? Why would we give what is left over? Why would we sulk away because there is risk involved? Why would we do it? Our appetites, our desire for Him, I hope I've given you enough dose of guilt. (laughs) Good guilt, I hope. We need to examine, my friends. We need to. Life is so short. It's a boot camp. (laughs) We will all have to give an account, whether you like it or not. Every knee will bow before the name of Jesus Christ, whether you like it or not. My desire, my urge is that you are on the inside and you are saying, I am running, like Paul says, I'm running a race as if to win. <laughs> I'm not like, you know, I did that for half marathon, I couldn't run. It was so tough. But we run to win the race, like Paul did. A desire that grips your heart to know this true gospel, Jesus Christ, who came to die, and to save mankind that did not want him. This morning, let me encourage you through Peter, Peter, sorry, Peter's grace story and hopefully the truth that is in the word. Let grace and truth prevail. Let us go challenging ourselves and really say, really asking the question, who is this Jesus in my life. Who is this Jesus? Intellectual ascent or spiritual jargon or truly the Lord? Truly ruling every section and part and parcel of my life. Not a checklist approach. Let us deny ourselves. Let us pick up our cross. Let us follow Him. There's no greater joy for the Lord to see His people follow Him. We're going to go, all go through challenges. We're going to go through downs more than ups probably. But following Him is the best decision that we can make. Let us pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Son. We desire, Lord, deep in our heart to follow you, to love you, to love your word, to love your people, to contribute more than consume, to give more than receive. We want your Spirit's encouragement this morning and your challenge this morning to us, to know who you truly are in our lives, and may our lives reflect your lordship and your saving grace. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.